Hi, welcome back to season four of the 92,000 Hours podcast. I'm your host, Annalisa Holcomb. If you've been listening over the past few years, you know that this is the podcast where we acknowledge that we spend a majority of our lives at work during a lifetime, 92,000 hours in fact, and that throughout the pandemic, this number has most assuredly grown. So knowing that is true, we want to explore the possibility of giving those hours more meaning, passion, and purpose. Here we talk about how we might construct a working world that values and accommodates our humanity that is not separate from, but fueled by the purpose we find in our work. In the first three seasons, we have engaged in deep conversations with individuals we consider to be experts next door. This season, we're doing something different. We're providing real how-to info about what happens when we really engage these questions. Instead of asking questions of my podcast guests, now I'm asking you. So if you're cooking dinner or driving or going on a walk while you're listening, that's okay. But if you have the space and time, this episode and this whole season is best if you can sit down and engage more directly. Pause the podcast when you need to, go back to something when you want to reflect more, but give yourself this gift. Our first episode this season was on trust, our second on vulnerability, and our third on identity. If you haven't listened to those episodes yet, I encourage you to go back and do so. Our episodes build on each other this season to help you know yourself and build on that knowledge. So before I get into this episode on fear, I want to take a moment to reflect on our identity episode. You may remember that I asked you to identify your given, chosen, and core identities and asked you to reflect on what you learned about yourself. If you track us on social media, you would have seen an Instagram reel showing how to do this and understanding a bit more about what our producer Bree learned about herself in this exercise. Our marketing manager Lexi took some time to reflect on her own learnings too, and this is what she said. As I went deeper into each circle in the exercise, my list kept getting shorter and shorter. We're told to be so many things and assigned so many identities. It feels like a lot of our lives, or at least a lot of my life, is spent parsing through that to figure out who we really are and what we really want. The question about whether these qualities changed over time was particularly interesting to me because I've spent a lot of time lately considering what parts of my identity are my own and what parts are inspired by or assigned by the people around me and that I'm just trying to live up to. I ended up having explorer, curious, and adaptable in my core circle and those have really remained steady throughout my life. In the past, I think I would have used the term adventurer instead of explorer. I was more externally focused and looking for my grand adventure. (laughs) Now, maybe since I've had my grand adventure and I'm much more satisfied with the internal day-to-day exploration, seeing and understanding things around me in new ways, I've changed that terminology a little bit. Um, There are other identities I tried to put in the core category that I realized were really chosen because there were times when I didn't exhibit those qualities, those things like being generous and vulnerable and kind 
ended up in the chosen category because if I'm being honest with myself, there are times when I choose not to be. But I can't think of a time when I wasn't exploring or wanting to explore, when I wasn't curious or adaptable. They're truly core to who I am and I can't get away from them. Thank you so much, Lexi, for your courage in sharing your personal insights. Did anything Lexi say resonate with you? When you did the identity exercise, which you can find on our blog at www.connectioncollaborative.com. Did anything surprise you? I've had the most meaningful experiences listening to the way that others have interpreted this exercise and then reflecting on what that means to me. In fact, I've learned that I can respect and even give myself grace for the trauma-informed identities that were given to me. And to notice when those identities are centered in areas of my life that I didn't expect them. In fact, I remember hearing once from a wise friend that underneath it all, we're all just little kids dragging our little red wagons full of our childhood baggage with us. And that we should acknowledge that who we are, all of our identities, are probably in that little red wagon. And that little red wagon goes with us everywhere. What did you learn about your own identities? And which do you truly consider core to who you are? Again, I'd love to hear from you about what you learned about yourself in this process. But now we're going to talk about fear. And I don't mean the easy stuff we can easily share with each other, like fear of heights or spiders. I mean the existential stuff. Under it all, what are you really afraid of? I've asked this question of my former students for over 15 years, and I've learned that once we open up through the vulnerability and courage we've already discussed this season, we actually all share many of the same fears. Fear of failure, fear of success, fear of becoming just like our parents, fear of letting our parents or others we love down, fear of rejection, Fear of being unlovable. Fear of being alone. The work of really identifying your fears, naming them, saying them out loud, can provide you with the power you need and already have within you to overcome them. But because we talk about our 92,000 hours at work in this podcast, for purposes of our discussion today, I'm really interested in focusing on the fears that you may have at work. Throughout these past few years, I've noticed so many new fears coming to the surface in our work. Fear of losing our jobs, fear of working in a job that isn't fulfilling, fear of finding ourselves older, but not any better off. Right now, we are all at some level of insecurity. And I don't mean having insecurities. I mean not being secure. We are all a little less or a lot less secure in our understanding of our worth at work, of our safety within our communities, of our ability to be heard and understood by those around us, of losing people or things that we love. So again, I ask you truly, what are you afraid of? What are those things that keep you up at night? And here I want to encourage you to write it down, define it, and reflect on it. 
Research shows that when we shine light on our fears, we can remove their power over us. I learned a great exercise on how to do this from career coach Leah McLeod. She says, to start shining that light on your fears, get out a journal or here a piece of paper and complete these sentences. First, I'm afraid of, and then write it down. For example, getting fired from your job or speaking up or not being seen. Next sentence, this fear is caused by. The next sentence should be, as a result of not dealing with this fear, I am, what are you, stressed, not sleeping, angry? The next sentence should be, if I take constructive steps to address this fear, what will happen? Will you have a better quality of life? Could you get fired? Do you not know? Once you identify what fear is holding you back and do this work, you'll have an easier time taking action to release it. And I've also learned that in order to do that, mindset really matters. Mental models are deeply held images of thinking and acting. They're the framework that we use to make sense of our experiences. They're not inherently bad or good. They're just shortcuts to our thinking. For example, your mental model for the word July could include summer. But if you live in the Southern Hemisphere, your mental model for the word July is winter. Your mental model for work might look like an office, but over the past few years, it might just look like a computer screen. So let's examine your own mental models of yourself. Think about this sentence. Whether you think you can or think you can't, either one is probably true. What does that mean to you? Are there things about you where you think you can? and other things where you think you can't? And is that true? You have created mental models about yourself and the world around you. We all do. And we often don't share those mental models with other people. As a result, we don't receive feedback to actually check those thoughts on whether they are true or not. So today, let's do that. Let's dig in. Finish this sentence for yourself. I'm the type of person who, don't just list one thing, list as many as you can think of. What kind of person are you? You're the type of person who, what? I challenge you to think of at least 10 items. If you struggle with this, let's get back to the idea of fear at work. When you think about what you're afraid of at work, you're the type of person who, what? Once you have at least 10 items, it's time to create a chart. On the top of the chart, list the word mental model, then the word positive, and then the word negative. Draw a line underneath each of those words, and under those words, list the mental models that you identified. For example, if it was, I'm the type of person who struggles with numbers, write down struggles with numbers, and then note if that is a positive or negative mental model. Continue and complete that exercise for each mental model that you wrote down. Don't worry, I'll wait.
I'm going to play Jeopardy music here behind what I'm doing. Just kidding. Pause here and do that work. Now, take a look. Did you pause the podcast? How many of your mental models about yourself are positive? How many are negative? Are you giving yourself grace? When it comes to your mental models about yourself at work, what are they? Are they more positive than negative or more negative than positive? Finally, especially for those negative mental models, let's talk about why they exist. For each mental model, examine where you learned this about yourself. Do you struggle with numbers like me because you weren't able to do something as quickly as someone else? For example, I might say I'm not great with numbers. In fact, I do say that. That is a mental model that I have. But when I really examined that, it's because I didn't learn Excel in college and I have always felt inadequate to everyone around me at work. But if I dig in, is it something I can overcome? Yes. What changes can I make to overcome this? Well, clearly, I can learn more on Excel. I can practice using it more instead of simply saying I'm bad at it and then feeling bad about myself while somebody else does that work. I can take a class and I can practice. I encourage you to take some time with this. Start with work. What are your own mental models about yourself at work? And even more to the point, what are your own mental models about the things you are afraid of at work? Are they positive or negative? What actually led you to think this about yourself? Is that thinking valid? Are there things you can do to overcome this mental model? This exercise is going to take some time, so give it to yourself. Then step away and go back to it and see what you think. This work is hard. Thinking about fear is hard. Overcoming those fears is also hard. But these are the tools to help you do it. You've already done the work to understand yourself even better. The ways that you're vulnerable, the ways that you have courage, how you can trust yourself, and now how you can overcome your fears. I'm really interested to hear what you have to say. As I've done throughout this season, here is your homework. I've created another blog post to help you. And in that, I've included the questions that I asked throughout this podcast, as well as the mental model chart. You can find it on our website at www.connectioncollaborative.com blog. And if you want to dig in more, we have an entire episode dedicated to fear featuring the amazing Dr. Susan Arsht which you can find in season one, episode four of this podcast, 92,000 hours. And finally, call me, write me, post your thoughts on social media. We really do want to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for doing the work. 
when you dig in and understand yourself better, you not only make yourself better, but you make the place where you live and work and play better. You make our society better. So thanks for doing the work. I'll see you next time.